Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time we gather for spiritual conversation and enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Time and distance are no barrier to energy, and that means no matter when you're listening, no matter how you found us, you are here for a reason. And I hope that something in the next hour lights you up and helps you move forward. Now, I personally work with my spirit guides every day, and I believe that listening to your guides, having that connection, that warm, everyday connection with your guides, is the most natural thing in the world and available to all of us. And if you're not already accessing their wisdom and their comfort now, like right now today, is the perfect time to start. My guest on today's show is Deborah Engel, and she's here to share new tools to help you begin or deepen your relationship with your spiritual support team. Are you ready to meet her? Deborah Engel is an author, teacher, and writing mentor whose work includes The Only Little Prayer You Need, Grace from the Garden, and her new book, Let Your Spirit Guides Speak. She's the co-founder and facilitator of Tending Your Inner Garden, which is a program of creativity and personal growth for women. Deb also offers mentoring in writing and publishing, as well as life skills. Now you can find out more about Deb and her work at DebraEngel.com. Deb, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. Oh, thank you. I'm very glad you're here. You were on the show about two years ago, and we were talking about your book, The Only Little Prayer You Need. I need to let you know that that prayer and the, and the idea behind that has gone with me to the dentist and to the doctor and down stormy highways and in darkened hotel rooms. I have kept that with me. That I've found that profoundly meaningful, that book. I'm so glad to hear that. And it's so interesting that you would mention, you know, doctors and dentists, because one of the, I've heard so many stories about how that prayer has been helpful to people. And the one that just came to mind is a woman who was having surgery. And she was repeating that prayer to herself as they were applying the anesthetic. So it was the very last thing that she thought of right before she went under for the surgery. And she said it was such a great help in knowing that she was in a really good place energetically mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, all of those ways, as she went into that surgery, and it was very, very successful. That's, so, that's wonderful. It's very powerful. Can you very, just very quickly share what that prayer is so that the listeners can grab a hold of it? Absolutely. It's very simple. It's the words, please heal my fear-based thoughts. And the prayer showed up, just kind of floated in, really, from my spirit guides in 2013, and very quickly became a book, and since then, really, I'm just so thrilled um, and gratified to know that it's touched people really all around the world, um, just in so many different ways. Mm. Now, your new book is Let Your Spirit Guide Speak, a simple guide for a life of purpose, abundance, and joy. How did you meet your guides? The first time I remember really being aware of them, very consciously aware, is um, probably about 25 years or so ago when I went to see a woman who was 
a traditionally trained counselor and therapist, but she also did past life regressions. And I was going really for going back into a previous life, which we did, but as she did one regression, it took me, instead of back into a previous life, into the time before I came into this life. And all of a sudden, in that regression, I saw this team of beings, very much, you know, they looked like human beings. And it was kind of funny when I look back on it, because they were all wearing white sweatpants and and sweatshirts with something, some letter on their chest. And I can't tell you for sure just what that letter was, but I'm sure it had a lot of meaning. And what I came to know just in a, a brief exchange with them was that they were my team. They were my spirit guides. And they literally had been with me always as I was coming into this life, living this life, here to give me comfort and guidance and direction. And in that first exchange with them, I came to understand a couple of pretty important things about my purpose here, why I was born into the the state and the family that I was born into, and what I'm here to do. So it's been such a comfort ever since to be able to picture them and to start developing that relationship, as you said, uh, just as one of the most natural and normal things that we can do. It's interesting because I think sometimes we think of that kind of information as secret and we go about trying to uncover it. Why was I born to these people? Or in the case of, of some people, maybe sometimes including me, who the heck are these people and why would I ask to be born into this family, right? What the, who is, where, what the heck happened there? But we think about that information as secret and we, and we try to uncover it. And what I'm hearing you saying is that it was revealed rather naturally to you as a result of that process that you were undergoing. It really was. And I think that's one of the wonderful things about building a communication system or process with our guides and then communicating with them on a regular basis is that we do learn all sorts of things that maybe we thought were secret, maybe we never thought could be unlocked. And often those are things that we've grappled with or wrestled with for a good share of our lives. And then all of a sudden we realize, oh, this is information that can just be handed to us. And that can make life so much easier so that it doesn't have to be the struggle that we have fought or that we've been programmed to believe that it has to be. So who are our guides or what are our I don't who who are guides? What do you mean when you're talking about guides? Well, my belief and my understanding is that these are entities, beings who really are assigned to us, or we have known each other before. Maybe we've traveled through other lifetimes before. And so they are spirits who really know us inside and out. And we know them very well, too. Of course, while we're here in these physical bodies, we forget. We forget who we are. We forget who they are. And we forget that we have this wonderful, exciting, enriching connection with these beings when we just start to tune in. Now, I think one of the things that I talk about in the book and that I think is really important is that guides can be very different for different people. I know people, for instance, where maybe they have a primary guide who is a Native American grandmother, or they have a guide who's one of their ancestors, or they have a guide who's a spirit animal, or a really advanced being that kind of transcends the whole physical form that we know, and is just a, like a light energy. So there's no right or wrong kind of guide to have. There's no right or wrong way to contact them and communicate and listen to them. 
very much just an exploration to find who that person or that entity or that being or that light is for you, and then to find the best way to communicate with them so that you have an easy, easy communication back and forth. And you say in the book that using what we can learn from using the prayer that I asked you to share, please heal my fear-based thoughts, that that puts you in a place energetically where you can be more open to this uh, connection, this ongoing conversation with your guides. Why is it? How does that set us up, open us up, shift us, so that we're ready to meet our guides? Right. What that prayer does when we ask, please heal my fear-based thoughts, we really are asking for a shift within us to happen. I teach classes in A Course in Miracles, and one of my favorite lines from that course is that our job is not to seek for love, but to seek and find all of the barriers within us that we have built against it. And that means to me that we are love. We are peace. We are harmony. We are beauty. We are all the things that we're looking for. We don't have to go out into the world and find them, but what we do need to understand is that our fear-based thoughts, our egos, have built up lots of layers of fear that cover up who we really are. So when we use that prayer first and say, please heal my fear-based thoughts about whatever it might be, it could be about a relationship or about finances or about how we feel about ourselves, it always, always comes down in some form to our own self-worth and that question of do I matter. So as that question is being healed and we're moving, we're really growing into and standing in our own grandeur as children of God, children of the divine, then from that place, when we have a relationship with our spirit guides, it's a very, very different thing than if we're in a place of feeling bad about ourselves, feeling as though we don't even deserve necessarily to have guidance from other beings, as though, you know, we just are not good enough in the eyes of the divine to even merit this kind of assistance and this sort of comfort. I know a lot of people um, who have commented on that about the book because in their backgrounds, in their lives, they've been taught at some point that, that they're just not good enough, that they've got to go to somebody else who has a communication line with God or with spiritual beings, but that they're just not enough. So they can't expect to have that kind of communication for themselves. And I think one of the things I most want the book to do is to help people understand all of us have that direct line of communication. All of us are mystics. I talk in the first chapter about how we're, we're mystics with mushroom soup casseroles because, you know, we don't have to be specially trained. We don't have to live in a monastery. We don't have to have some incredible heritage or understanding or knowledge to receive this communication from our guides. All we have to do is say, please heal the fears within me that keep me from knowing you and hearing you and understanding how valuable I am and understanding how valuable you are so that we can really co-create and collaborate. And that's when life can get very, very exciting. When you met your guides, when you had that experience, did, that, did it make your life very, very exciting? It did. I would say it, that period of time in my life, I was doing a lot of spiritual exploration. I had been divorced for a few years and, and was u- really using that time of living on my own, to do a lot of inner work. And so I was learning, constantly learning, and I just had this insatiable curiosity about, about all of these things, about spirituality and how we connect and 
how we get to know who and what is on the other side. So I think it was a piece, very much a piece, of a lot of growth that then led to things like the study of A Course in Miracles and starting to put together my own workshops and classes and really seeing that that side of myself, which I had always known but hadn't necessarily honored, it was really time to to own that and to claim it and say, this is not only something I'm interested in, this is who I am. And I really want to develop things that I can share with other people to help them know themselves as spiritual beings too. When people are wanting to begin that connection with their guides, I know you say we all have a direct connection. What are some of the qualities that we need to have? I know we don't need special skills like, you know, special communication skills. What are some of the qualities, though, that we do need to have in order to be able to receive what comes through? Um, I would say just the willingness, having the willingness to listen, to sit still, to be quiet. Uh, And I think that is, we may underestimate just how important that really is. One of the things I've noticed for myself and in other people, too, is that this world has just become so over-the-top full, (laughs) full of to-do lists and expectations and deadlines and obligations. And I think we get really drawn into that, and we don't even realize how much we are living our lives through our cell phones and through our computers and running from one thing to another. So I think we need to kind of reprogram ourselves to really settle down, you know, to take deep breaths and close our eyes, to go back to the basics and remember, oh, yeah, if I'm going to tune in and really listen, I need to turn off the TV. I need to turn off the dishwasher. I need to turn off the washing machine. And I need to, you know, just put aside all of my to-do lists and expectations and really, really settle in. That, I think, is probably the biggest requirement. The other thing that I would say is helpful Um, is just having the willingness to believe. I know for a lot of people, the idea of communicating with your spirit guides is something that may sound a little foreign, may sound a little out there for them, but I've seen it over and over. If people are just, just have that little willingness to believe that it's possible and to open up to that communication, honestly, they have just been kind of blown away often by how quickly and how clearly they hear a voice, or they feel a presence, or they even realize that, oh my goodness, I've actually been receiving communication my whole life. I just didn't know what it was. I didn't have a name for it. So we don't have to completely and fully believe um, to begin with. We just need to be willing to sit down and start a conversation and then see what happens. I agree, and I think I would add to that from my own experience how important it is to have a sense of humor and a sense of lightness about this too, because I think, at least for me, sometimes if I sit down, I will now connect with my guide. This will be the most important moment of my life and my truth will be revealed to me and I'll know all the... No, it's not going to work like that probably. And so it's easier to have that lightness, have a kind of a, have a gentle quality to your energy as you sit with that so that you're open to what comes in without needing to immediately put a lot of projection on it. And I think that helps too. I think we tie ourselves up in knots going for the heavy thing first when really we're looking for a yes or a no, when we say, are you there? We're looking for a yes, right? Um, so I think that lightness helps as well. I think that's a really important point. Yeah, I think we do, 
have that feeling sometimes that these are such exalted beings that, again, who am I to think that I can have this conversation? And we do put a lot of pressure on ourselves to think that this is going to be the end-all and be-all. So your point is really well taken. Just, you know, even, I know so many people who have just maybe not even heard an answer necessarily, but they just have felt a sense of, ooh, some presence, some, something is there with them. And that's all they need to get started and to realize something important is happening. And then you can build from there. What do you think are some of the most common ways that our guides communicate with us? Because you're right, it's not just the voice or the, or the feeling. What are some of the ways that our guides communicate with us? Well, I think one is to put things in our path <laughs> that, um, and then help us see them. For instance, I talk in the book about when I met my husband. We've been married for almost 15 years. And when we met, it was at a barn dance which I didn't want to go to. I'd never been to one before, but I had promised a friend that I would go along. And so I walked into the barn, the music's playing, all of these strangers are there. And then across the barn, I saw this man standing by himself. And it literally was as though the guides lit him up somehow or shone a spotlight on him. It was just this moment of knowing, oh, I'm supposed to meet him. I'm supposed to talk with him. And there was this kind of, hmm, feeling like an intrigue. Well, we ended up dancing together that evening. He got my number. He called me later on. Exactly one year later, we got married. Oh. So, and I've seen that happen in other ways with people, too, where you're just going through the course of your day. You're not even looking for signs necessarily. But then all of a sudden, something will just catch your eye or it will light up. It'll seem to have kind of an energy or a spark to it. And if you're attuned to that, it can be one of those moments where you stop and you realize, oh, there's some information here for me. I've seen that happen as well, too, when, you know, maybe people are just going through their day and they talk to a stranger. But that stranger all of a sudden says something that just, whew, lands directly in their heart. And they realize, oh, this is not just a random conversation. This is a piece of guidance that's being given to me through this person. So it can happen in a lot of seemingly random ways, and one of the best things we can do is just to be open and to be aware, to wake up in the morning and literally say to yourself and your guides, I'm going to look for your signs today, so please light them up for me so that I don't miss them. Um, They can put things directly in our path. I talk in the book about one of my favorite stories, a friend of mine who adopted two dogs after a dog that she had before had passed away. She'd gotten to the point where she realized she was ready to have a pet companion again, and she asked her guides and God, she said, you know, if you want me to have a dog, please put it in my path. And on two separate occasions, she went to a place outside of town, and these same two little dogs were literally right in the middle of the road. And on the second occasion, she realized, okay, I get it. (laughs) This is the gift from God and from my guides. These dogs are supposed to go home with me. So we can ask, this is the wonderful thing about building that relationship with our guides, we can ask for things to be given to us in ways that we will be aware of them. So those are great examples. I think also just being um, communicated to through nature, whether it's a wild animal, an owl, for instance. A woman in one of my classes told me a story a couple of weeks ago about 
three different encounters that she had with an owl in town over a two-day period. Well, that just doesn't happen frequently. It's not a normal occurrence. So again, she realized there was some piece of information being given to her through that animal. She went home, looked up owls in her um, totem animal book, got the information about what they represented, and it did. It did have information, exactly what she needed to make a decision in her life. So again, the variety of things, the ways they communicate with us is pretty broad. And the main thing that's our job is just to keep asking, please give me, give me those signs, help me to be aware of the signs. And then when we get them, sit down and have a conversation about exactly what it means. And I would add, just add to that, it's important to always say thank you too, even if you don't yeah. understand the sign, even if you're not sure that it is a sign. Because I, at least I believe a wonderful way to build a relationship with your guides is to start, you kind of start that undercurrent of gratitude. Thank you so much. Thank you for the sign. Thank you for the day. Thank you for the rain. Thank you for whatever it is. Um, and that, just like healing your fear-based thoughts, that having that foundation of gratitude makes it easier for you to be open to what your guides put in your path as well. I totally agree. It really does raise our vibrations. You know, it's a high, high energy vibration when we're in that place of gratitude. And so it does open up the channels of communication and helps us to receive it more clearly. What are some questions that we should ask our that we should ask our guides? I make myself laugh sometimes because when I was reconnect, I shut down my relationship with my guides at a very very early age. And although they were still guiding me, I was just too bullheaded to <laughs> to acknowledge it or realize it. And when I was trying to reconnect, my first questions to my guides were more like, "Hey, hey, are you there? Hey, 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 is this thing on? Hey, but you can. There's a better way. You can ask meaningful questions <laughs> to your guides. What are some good questions to ask our guides?" Well, I think for the times when we want to sit down and really be in deep conversation with them, boy, there are just so many questions like, how can I stop fighting myself? How can I understand and appreciate my worth in this world? How can I be more forgiving? How can I understand my strengths? What are my strengths? How can I show more compassion um, if there's a particular relationship, for instance, that maybe is a challenge, how can I communicate more clearly with this person who is a challenge in my life? You know, all of those different kinds of questions really get at that deep, deep, really rich kind of juicy stuff in our lives. And the interesting thing that I found, and I'm sure you have too, is that, you know, I could ask a question like that, and maybe in my own mind I would have some expectation of what that answer might be, but so often the answer takes us off into a whole other realm, a place that we didn't really even expect. I think a really good example of this is a young woman who actually I write about in the introduction to the book. And just in the past few months, she went through a fitness challenge. This was a nationwide competition where she worked out every single day for a couple of months, got into incredible uh, physical shape and became one of the five finalists for a $10,000 prize in this challenge. Well, obviously, she really wanted to win the challenge, and she didn't. And when she found out that she didn't, she was more crushed than she really expected to be. So she sat down and she had a conversation with her guides about, about winning and about losing and about the pain of this. And I think she had some expectations about what she might hear, 
And instead, what the guide said to her was, all of this about winning and losing, setting up things in your life so that somebody has to experience pain so that somebody else can feel better, it's just not a very helpful way to live. And they said the real lesson here is not whether you won or lost the $10,000 or the competition. The real thing to look at is look at what you were able to accomplish when you put your focus on it. Know that you can do the exact same thing with all of the other projects in your life, all of the things that you're excited about, and that when you're in that place of passion, you are absolutely unstoppable. It just took her in a whole different place, a whole different direction than she had expected, and became an incredible lesson for her that really wasn't even about winning and losing. It was about what she's capable of doing in this life and how she can really best make use of her time and energy. That's the kind of thing that I think is so exciting. You know, when we ask those questions, then be really open to those answers because they will surprise us. And the other thing that I would say just real quickly is that it's also important to know that we don't have to have those big life-affirming, deep discussions with our guides. We really can ask things like, should I turn right or left? <laughs> should I stop at the store now or stop there later? Should I schedule that appointment for noon or one? Um, should it be on this day or should it be on this day? Those questions may seem like they're too small and insignificant to be asking our guides. But in truth, if you think about it as a best friend who's just right there next to you and who wants to make your life easier, there is no question that's too small. They all matter because if it's going to help make your life easier, that's what they want to do. Mm. You're listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager, and I'm talking with Deborah Engel. Her new book is Let Your Spirit Guides Speak, a simple guide for a life of purpose, abundance, and joy. You can find out more at uh, DebraEngel.com. When we come back after this break, I want to talk to Deborah about how to tell the difference between our own rotten fear-based brain and spiritual guidance. We'll do that and a lot more after this. I'm home, and I love it. I'm home, where I belong. I'm home, and I love it. I'm home, where I belong. It's always nice to come home, but these days, many Americans are at risk of foreclosure and losing their homes. Fortunately, help is available. Making Home Affordable is a free program from the U.S. government that has already helped over a million struggling homeowners, and we want to help you. I'm home. I'm home. And I love it. I'm home. I'm home. Find out now what your options are. Go to makinghomeaffordable.gov or call 1-888-995-HOPE. The sooner you act, the better chance we can help you. I'm home. I'm home. Where I be. Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, and the Ad Council. Do you get tired of styling your hair every day? And do you want a good hairstyle every day? Hi, I'm Sarah Schuster. I went on a website called inventnow.org, and after that, I decided to invent something too. Something called the Insta-Do. Just imagine, you just put it over your head like a helmet does, and you pick your hairstyle with the buttons on the side, and you can have instant hairstyle in seconds. People like it. People like Jeff Bart. I like it. And people like Kenneth. It's a summer thing, and it fits over your head, and it's great. Thank you, Kenneth. 
you should go to inventnow.org and it could help you come up with your own invention. After all, look at me on the radio now. Anything's possible. Keep thinking. Get started on your own inventions or just play some games at inventnow.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the National Inventors Hall of Fame Foundation, and the Ad Council. Sassy! Sassy! This week's episode, Danger at the Old Well. Last one to the old well's a rotten egg! Ha-ha! I win! Whoa! Ah! Sassy! Johnny fell down the well! I'm wet! What, Sassy? You know where Mr. Gunderson keeps his rope? Go get it, girl! What? You'd rather use this time to set people straight about shelter pet adoption? I'm cold! People shouldn't be afraid to adopt from a shelter? Because shelter pets are screened for sound health and temperament? I'm wet and cold! Sassy, what about Johnny? What? Let Johnny sit in the well until he learns to be more self-reliant? Sassy! What'd he say? Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. Remember, adopt. And now back to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager on Empower Radio. Empowerradio.com. Welcome back to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager, and I'm talking with Deborah Engel. Her new book is Let Your Spirit Guide Speak, a simple guide for a life of purpose, abundance, and joy. You can find out more about Deborah and her work at DebraEngel.com. That's D-E-B-R-A-E-N-G-L-E.com. And of course, I always, always love hearing from you. What do you think of what you're hearing today? Have you, do you have a story about the way that you've worked with your guides where it's touched your life, maybe made a difference? Have you asked your guide, should I turn left or right? And when you turned left or right, something amazing happened. You can always send your comments and feedback and questions to me via email. My email address is Karen at KarenHager.com. And of course, KarenHager.com is my website and there's all kinds of classes and events and all kinds of good stuff going on over there. Now, Deb, before we went into the break, you were tell you were telling the story about that student of yours who had trained and trained and then did not win the contest that was kind of the ultimate the the peak of the training and you said that her guides came through with really gentle guidance for for her about why that happened and i think that's a beautiful segue into the difference between spiritual guidance and our ego Because at least if it had been me, my ego would have said, well, you know why you didn't win the $10,000? Because you were lazy, you didn't do it that one day, the other people were better, right? That's not spiritual guidance, that's my own mean brain talking to me, right? Exactly. And I think that's one of the litmus tests that can be very helpful in helping us discern which, which part of our thoughts or which mind is talking. If it's talking about competition or failure or not being good enough or blame or guilt or shame or regret or any of those things, any of those forms of fear, then we can be very sure that that's coming from our ego and that that's not spiritual guidance. Spiritual guidance is always in alignment with divine love. Now, sometimes most people, I think, experience it as being fairly gentle. I do know some people where they're in touch with a guide well, maybe it's just a little bit more direct, but in the end, they're still always talking about principles and values of love and of acceptance and growth and tolerance and forgiveness and 
all of those things that we associate with love. So if you're hearing that kind of snarky voice <laughs> uh, that's complaining or whining or trying to make somebody wrong or blame them, you can be really sure that that's not spiritual guidance. And when you keep that in mind, then it becomes a whole lot easier to discern. I know for a lot of people, when you're just starting out especially, listening to your guides, often that's the biggest question. How can I trust what I'm hearing? How do I know I'm not making it up? How do I know that it's not actually coming from my ego mind? And I think if you just keep that in mind, that it's really embodying all of those principles of love, you'll know it when you feel it and you hear it. I love that you say in the book that guidance, um, that spiritual guidance comes in quietly and lands softly. So I know that sometimes people are concerned about beginning to work with their guides because they think they might suddenly find out a big disaster is going to happen or that they did everything wrong and now they'll never amount to anything or they missed their chance and it's not going to work out. When the truth is, at least as I receive it, that anything that comes through from spirit, even if it's something you don't want to hear, will come in with gentleness, will come in in an expansive way instead of that scary, harsh, shutting you down way. Right. Yeah, that's just so important. And it also will be offered with a great deal of respect, too. I think that's the other thing to listen for. Because just as we respect our guides and we want to show gratitude to them, they respect us as well. I think that's the thing about this. It really is a symbiotic relationship. We know that we're probably more familiar with the idea that we need them. But the truth is that they need us as well. And they want this to be an equal partnership. So they're going to show up with a great deal of respect. It means we need to show up that same way. And that also means that if they're being demanding or hitting us over the head with, you should do it this way, you shouldn't have done it that way, that's not going to be spiritual guidance. It's also important to recognize that they also respect free will. We, they will give us guidance, but it's up to us whether we follow it or not. And I personally could tell all sorts of stories of <laughs> times when I didn't follow it and found out later, oh, that really was a mistake. <laughs> uh, in fact, uh, one woman just recently was telling me a story about how this happened for her, that she was intending to move to Europe. She just had this plan in her mind that that was what she was going to do. And then everything started to fall apart. She couldn't get the visa on time. Um, just all of the plans were very complicated, but she decided to go anyway. And when she went, her car ended up being stolen, her passport was stolen. It just turned into one challenge and difficulty and hardship after another. And looking back, she realized if she had paid attention to the messages she was being given to begin with, she would have realized her guides were very clearly saying to her, you know, this is just not the best thing for you. This is not what's going to serve your highest good. But they're not going to say it as, don't do it, don't go there, <laughs> uh -huh. or else you'll regret it, because they do respect the fact that we can make a different choice, a choice that's different from what they're advising us to do. That, again, is why it helps so much for us to be aware of that guidance, not only to hear it, to feel it, to understand it, but then also to, at least in most cases, follow it, because they really do have our best interest in mind. So if we don't follow it, does it hurt their feelings? Can they get miffed? 
my experience is that they can actually get missed. Um, and I don't believe that it's necessarily when we don't follow their guidance because they understand that we do have the option of making a different choice. And that if we don't get the lesson this time, there will be other opportunities. And they'll just keep giving us the guidance to point us in the best possible direction. Now, I do tell the story in the book. This is one of my favorite stories, actually, about a time quite a few years ago when I was really upset about money. I was in a great place of scarcity in my thinking. And instead of just asking my guides what was going on and asking for guidance, I decided to turn on my guides. I really had a temper tantrum for a couple of days and blamed them for not doing enough for me. And I tell the story in the book about how I found out a couple of months later that they just were not all that eager to help me with money anymore because they had been hurt by what I had said, by that anger, by that blame. It wasn't just that I hadn't followed their guidance. It was that I had actively attacked them. And when I found out what that did to them, as well as what it did to me, it was a new level of understanding because I found out, again, we think of them as these angelic and exalted and lofty beings who are beyond any kind of need for acknowledgement or gratitude or respect, but that's not the case. You know, they really are so much like us, and they have need for all of those things just like we do. And if we attack them, if we ignore them, if we blame them, if we make an appointment to show up and have a conversation and then we blow it off, it's not helpful <laughs> to the relationship. It may have the same consequences in that relationship that we would have with another human being. And that may be part of how the relationship with the guides fits into that bigger framework of the spiritual journey. Our time in Earth School, just as we are called, I believe, to be in right relationship with all beings and how we are in our actions and all that, I think that our relationship with our guides is another example of that, that we are called to be in integrity. We're called to do what we say we're going to do, to apologize when we mess it up, right? And to be open to maybe a different way of thinking than we might have for ourselves. It, we are called into that kind of uh, loving relationship with our guides, just as we are with our partners and our children and our friends and our bosses and all those people. Right, because it really is a reminder that all is one. They may, you know, we get so attached to the form and to the feeling of separation that, that again, somehow they have abilities and insights that we don't have. Well, that may be the case, but it's really just because they aren't in the, the limited form, physical form. So if we try to make them separate, or put them on a pedestal, or think that we don't deserve their help, then we're really creating a separation that is non-existent. So I think just as we move into those relationships with our guides, it does become a model for, as you say, the kind of right relationship we want to have with everybody in our life, and with the earth, and with our work, and with ourselves, and with everything, because we really are all part of the same whole. I'd like to ask you about Ella, about your guide for writing. Can you say a little bit about her? We hear from her in the book. And I'm, I find myself really curious about if you, do you see her? Do you know what she looks like? Can you, what kind of information do you have about her? How do you perceive your guides? In this case, I sat down to start writing the book and 
really didn't have any expectation of having a writing guide. So I sat down at the computer one day, just my hands on the keyboard, starting to write, and all of a sudden I just saw this being or this figure. Basically, it was just her face, um, just kind of hovering above me, right there to the right in my vision. And she was so clear and so present that my first question was, who is that? And what I heard was, she's your writing guide. Now, the interesting thing about it was that she looked so familiar. It was as though she was the composite of dozens or even hundreds of women that I know. And so even though I couldn't see her as one particular person, she was very, very familiar to me. I ended up giving her the name Ella just because I think probably the name that she goes by is one that I couldn't pronounce or, or wouldn't be very familiar. So I wanted to give her a familiar name, and she was okay with that. So what happened was that every day, as I sat down at the computer to write, I really sat down without any expectations, and I would say to her, Ella, what are we going to talk about today? And then I would just start listening, I'd start typing what I heard, and those exact transcripts of those conversations, or that download of information, that channeling, became parts of the book. So it took me by surprise. That's not something that I intended as I started the book. And even as I turned in the book to the publisher, um, I hadn't forewarned them <laughs> that that had happened and that this was going to be part of the book. So it was kind of a, a surprise to them as well, but really a pleasant surprise because her voice and her wisdom adds so much to the book. It's true sometimes that well, I teach intuitive development, among other things, and something that I ask my students to do is a process that I call guided writing, which is basically sitting down, setting the timer for two minutes, and then writing for two minutes. And the idea is that you write past the place where you know what you're going to say next. So three minutes maybe is better. Write past the place where you know what you're going to say next. And when you do that, the very next thing, waiting on the other side of that, you know, Karen told me to write for three minutes. What does she think she's doing? This will never work. When you get on the other side of that, there are guides waiting there for you. And what people start to produce are messages of love, things that bring them to tears. And that's not something that, like that I'm doing or that some, you know, it's not a big spiritual uh, awakening. It's, it was all right there. It's just the other side of that awareness. Right. Yeah, I had a perfect example of that just the other day. There's a woman, I work with a lot of writers as they develop their writing, often into books. And there's a woman who has worked with one particular topic that she wants to write about for a couple of years. She's started several drafts of it, and they've been good drafts, but it still has felt like there was just something off, that it was more contrived or manipulated. And so just since the book came out, she connected with a guide who presented himself to her to help her write this book. And just last night, she gave me a copy of their first writing session together. And it's fascinating because it is exactly what you're describing. It's, um, you can tell that quality of when it's relaxed. It just flows. There is nothing, there's no ego, no trying involved. And what she had done is just exactly what you described and what I did with Ella, just sat down and let it come out without trying to edit it, without trying to censor or letting her ego get in the way. And what happens when we do that is that there is just this other voice that comes through us 
that blends with ours, you know, that can be very similar to ours in a way, but it takes that complicated material and just puts it into flow, just lets it come out exactly as it needs to be. When you talk about co-creating with our guides, as this woman did, as you did with your book and as this other author did with her book, when you talk about co-creating, is it a Mm. Is it an equal partnership? I believe it really is. And I think that's something that most likely we need to move into gradually. We may not totally understand that or own it or feel it from the beginning. But as I've worked with my guides over the years, I've come to see that it really is an equal partnership. I talk in the book about a time when, when the only little prayer you need was being published back a couple of years ago. And I had found out about a program, basically a book marketing program, that I was drawn to because I thought it would really help get the word out about the book. But I was torn about whether to spend the money and whether it was the right thing. So I asked my guides, and this is another example of how they will surprise you with their answers. I thought they were going to say yes or no or, you know, give me the pros and cons. And instead their answer very quickly was, have mercy on us. Well, that just stopped me cold. I thought, what do you mean have mercy on us? I'm thinking it's all about me, you know, that they're here to serve me and to assist me and comfort and guide me. I had never even thought about the idea that something I was doing or not doing could affect them. So I asked them, what do you mean have mercy on us? And they said, you know, these ideas that we're bringing through you and through others in this world, they need to get out into this physical earth. That's what our job is, is to help get them out into this world so that they can be extensions and expressions of God's love. If you don't work with us, or if you put up blocks, or if you second-guess or doubt the ideas and the suggestions that we put in your mind, it just makes that process harder. So have mercy on us. If we suggest something to you and you're feeling drawn to it, know that that's us saying yes, that's a go, that's a green light. And if you take a lot of time to try to figure it out or rationalize it or uh, second-guess it, that's just slowing everything down. So have mercy on us. Just go with us, trust us, and we will lead you in the right direction. That was like a sea change um, in understanding of that relationship that we have with them. Have you ever been led led by your guides to a place where you thought, this can't be right, I must have misunderstood, and then had it take another turn. I know that's been true for me. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think, again, one of the situations that comes to mind, and this is maybe just a little bit different than, uh, than what you just suggested, but when I met Bob, who became my husband, at that barn dance, my ego immediately kicked into gear and came up with all sorts of reasons why we weren't right for each other, why I should try to sabotage this relationship, why, you know, I'm thinking, nope, this can't possibly be the right person for me. Well, of course, it was all out of fear because, in truth, what I had been presented with from my guides was the person who could really teach me about love, who represented what love really is. And my ego was so threatened by that that it just wanted to run, slam the door, say, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh, not getting into that relationship. So my guides were just very patient. Every time I would go into that self-sabotage place, 
they would just say to me very gently, but very clearly, you two are supposed to be together. You're not going anywhere. So just enjoy this relationship. Grow into it. Know that this is right. And obviously, you know, here we are 15 years later, I'm so glad that I listened to them. But it was one of those times where it's not that I, I knew that I was being led along the right path, but my ego wanted me to believe differently. And I think that's what often happens. It's just that fear inside of us because the ego doesn't want us to grow, doesn't want us to have joy. It seems so counterintuitive. How could a part of us not want those things? But those things really threaten the ego's existence. So the more it can keep us stuck, keep us self-doubting, keep us muddled and distracted, that's its job. And that's why we need that guidance from our, our spirit guides so much, so desperately. How can our guides help us with health and abundance and well-being? How can we use that everyday connection? That I love how you write about this because it's a beautiful, warm connection, not some weird, lofty, chilly, strange thing. How can we use that day-to-day intimate connection with our guides to get help with health and abundance and well-being? Well, one very, very simple thing that comes to mind, and I'm thinking about this because we actually talked about it at A Course in Miracles class here just recently, is that, again, if we are faced with any kind of health issues, what's the first thing we do? We just go into fear. It doesn't matter if it's a stubbed toe or a cancer diagnosis. Our egos immediately take hold of that and start going to the worst-case scenario. So really, even if I stub my toe, I've done this recently, the first thing I'll do now is say, please heal my fear-based thoughts. And it's so interesting because it's the combination of that prayer with then following it up with my guides and saying, you know, I know that my ego is going to want to make this a whole lot worse than what it is. It's going to want to stay in that pain. And so please first heal my fear-based thoughts so that I'm not feeling drawn into that place of poor me. And then just help me to hand over this pain to you because I really don't want it. And help me to just focus on the next thing in front of me that brings me joy so that my body can heal itself. Now, that's a lot. I mean, that's really a lot of relationship (laughs) and a lot of reprogramming and a lot of experiencing our lives in a very different way. But that's what happens when we have that relationship with our guides You know, again, if it's something more serious, it can still be, it's so great if that's our first inclination, instead of going into the fear to say to them, wow, I know that I'm going to, I could potentially be drawn into fear and I don't want to go there because I know that fear is the most harmful thing for my physical well-being and that I have everything that I need to heal. So you're giving me the support to do that, healing my fear helping me focus on the things that are positive in my life, helping me feel gratitude. Those are the things that are going to support my healing in the the highest possible ways. So, and again, it doesn't matter if it has to do with health or with financial resources and abundance. Uh, You know, I think it's very important to say to our guides, I know that I'm in a natural stream of abundance. I know as well that my fears can build a dam to that natural stream. And so if I get to that place, help me to understand that I'm doing it and help me to break down those barriers, help me heal those fear-based thoughts 
so that that dam can be deconstructed and I can let that flow of money and finances and abundance just flow in my life and trust that. Mm. So again, it really comes down to just knowing that you've got that help right there next to you and that you can talk about all of these things in ways that can support your highest good. For someone listening today, and we've got about three minutes left in the program, with somebody for somebody listening today who thinks, yeah, that's fine for Karen and Deb to talk about, but I've never talked to my guides. I'm not, I don't know about this. Is there one thing that they could do maybe when they stop listening to this program that would help open that door for them, something they could try to begin to jumpstart this relationship? Absolutely. In the book, I give a very simple meditation. It takes 30 seconds, basically. And again, you don't even have to believe that it's going to work. But what you do is just sit down, get quiet, take a couple of deep breaths, close your eyes, and then in your mind's eye, just see an invitation, you know, like a party invitation, a printed, uh, printed invitation of some kind. See that on that invitation it says that you are extending an invitation to your guides to have an exchange, to meet them, See yourself putting that invitation in an envelope and sending it out into the universe. And then just ask to be aware of their response to that invitation. And just sit. You know, sit in silence for two or three or five minutes and see what happens. And this is where you really do want to trust. You want to be willing to be aware of anything that happens. Because it could be that you'll just feel a breeze across your face or you'll feel a brush on your shoulder, or maybe you'll feel a presence, you know, behind your left shoulder or your right, or maybe you will see a color or some sort of scene, you know, maybe even from your childhood. It could be anything, but just be aware and name it. Say, oh, this is what I just experienced, and I'm willing to believe that this is communication from my guides. Well, once you've done that, you've opened the door, And then just say, okay, tomorrow at 8 o'clock in the morning, I want to sit in silence again for a couple of minutes and see what happens. And I'm going to invite my guides to be with me again. And then follow through. Be there, sit in silence, become aware, ask them a question. Just keep doing it. Keep doing it regularly. It doesn't have to take any more than a couple of minutes a day. But it's like anything. The more you do it, the more you'll fine-tune that dial on the radio, the more you'll be able to hear or sense or feel their communication, and the more your trust in it will build. That's such a beautiful, gentle, powerful way of connecting with with your guides. Deborah, thank you so much for being on the show today. The hour flew by, and I'm really grateful. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much. I'm just really enjoyed every moment of it. Oh, me too. Thank you. That's Deborah Engel. Her new book is Let Your Spirit Guides Speak, a, sing- a simple guide for a life of purpose, abundance, and joy. Find out more about Deborah and her work at DebraEngel.com. That's D-E-B-R-A-E-N-G-L-E.com. And of course, KarenHager.com is where you can find out more about what I'm up to, find out about who's coming up on the show. And please, oh please, send me your comments, your questions, your feedback to Karen at KarenHager.com. I also direct your attention to OpenPeacefulHeart.com. That's where you can find out about the free group meditation that takes place the first Sunday of every month. People from around the world coming together to hold a space for 15 minutes for peace, for 
change. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace.